to Discover Virtual Reality Design Podcast. This is your host, Aki Järvinen. Today, uh, we're going to have an interview with Andrea Bravo, who is a researcher based in Denmark, and she has been focusing on augmented reality and information visualization. So we're going to hear that conversation around one specific paper of hers in a minute. Before that, uh, an update. Uh, it's quite a significant update in the sense that I'm afraid that for now I'm going to take this podcast into a hiatus. So basically this is uh, the last episode you will be hearing at least in a while. I've been doing quite a lot of soul searching around this decision and I just feel that in its current format the way that I've been able to keep the third season um well, get that started and and keep things running has been this interview format. But the truth is that I don't really have capacity to schedule interviews and look for people to interview. And at the end of the day, I think there are great podcasts out there in the immersive space that do all this with more resources, more time and, and better results. Mostly uh, Kent buys Voices of VR, for instance being the prime example. So therefore, it's not necessarily the end of podcasting from myself. I have been developing an, uh, a concept for a new podcast that would play more to my personal strengths, but I can't yet promise uh, when this uh, new concept would come out. I'm basically at the moment trying to build a routine that would make the new podcast more frequent and more focused and all that so once i i'm ready to launch it if that ever happens i will definitely post a update into the feed of this current podcast but yeah so that's that's the plan for now Anyhow, thank you for listening. If you've been somebody who's been sticking with the podcast for a while, I'm I'm trying to come back with uh, a new concept uh, after a while. But for now, it's goodbye. Nevertheless, today we're going to have a conversation with Andrea Bravo around AR and information visualization. So without further ado, uh, let's get into that. Thanks. Hello, listeners. I'm here with Andrea Bravo, who works at DTU, which is the Technical University of Denmark in Copenhagen. So welcome to the show, Andrea. Thank you very much for having me here, Aki. It's a pleasure. Thank you. So uh, we will today mostly focus on a paper that you have co-authored with Anja Meyer from the same university and uh, that has to do with immersive visualizations in design, especially focusing on augmented reality. Uh, but before we go into that, can you just tell our listeners a little bit about your background and how did you start uh, researching immersive things like AR and, and visualization, please? All right. So I graduated actually in information design 
for my bachelor's. And later I worked in branding, in advertising, in artistic directions for five years in Barcelona and Paris for companies like Ogilvy, Chloé, Chanel. And actually it was from an artistic collaboration with a scientist that I discovered what it was to work with science and research. Mm -hmm. And I did a project with this scientist that lasted about one year and a half. And from there I decided to go for a master's in cognitive systems and interaction. All right. And it was this master actually that got me introduced to user research, UX for virtual environments. And in that case, it was the specific topic of children with autism mm -hmm. that was in Barcelona in the full body interaction lab. Cool. And so how did you end up uh, in Copenhagen then? Right. So then I, I applied for a PhD because I liked yeah. so much uh, the topic that I was researching that I applied for a PhD and now, so I'm doing this topic, which are immersive visualizations, which is basically visualizations with XR technologies at the engineering systems design group. Okay, great. That is led by Anya Meyer. Yeah. Awesome. And so let's focus on the immersive visualizations and design paper. And before going into details, can you just give us a, a brief summary of what, what the paper is about and uh, what the uh, research approach is? Sure. So this research was about creating a data visualization of financial data in augmented reality by using HoloLens. So the data visualization was intended to be used during the presentation of financial data by consultants. Mm -hmm. And this type of research is what we call research through design, meaning that through the design process, we were aiming not only to build a prototype, but also to generate knowledge out of it. And that's the most important part. Yeah. And so this project is a collaboration between DTU, which is my university, mm -hmm. and Virsabi, which is a company specialized in delivering solutions to businesses in XR. Okay. And so this whole topic of immersive visualization, um, how much work is there to draw from? Or is it uh, quite a nascent field? Right. So basically, well, data visualization in XR has been explored during the last decade. Especially, we can start to find studies and examples published from 2014-2015, so five, six years ago. It's a very niche field. And uh, for example, there's Monash University in Melbourne that is specialized in this type of data visualizations, which they call immersive analytics. And we also find examples at the MIT Media Lab. Okay. Okay, so um, as a kind of lead up to my next question, let me pick out a quote from the paper. And well, obviously I will link to the paper from uh, the show notes and stuff. Uh, so you and your co-author write, the ability to, for knowledge discovery and understanding through visualizations critically depends on how the data is presented. Cognitive fit theory explains the cognitive aspects implied in the use of tables, i.e. symbolic representations and the use of visualizations, i.e. spatial representations for presenting data. And then you go on to write, visualizing data appropriately is set to lower cognitive load and thereby facilitate decision making. So what would you say that is the value to be gained from data visualizations in general? And then what was your kind of rationale for focusing and leveraging augmented reality for it. 
Right, so data visualization in general is a means to display information that amplifies cognition by building upon external resources, and thus it helps sense-making and decision support. As an example, if I show a data visualization of my revenue this year versus last year, it becomes a visual support that helps compare the two numbers. And then when I share this information with my colleagues, with you, for example, it ensures that we are all on the same page and it thus helps to make decisions on the topic. All right, so, and I understand that there are also studies, I think you referred to in the paper, that sense of touch and proprioception also enable us today um, experience data in a more like intuitive and engaging manners, is that correct? Right, yes. So you can also provide a sense of touch and proprioceptions. There's some studies that have looked into that, more towards the use of haptics and also data physicalization. Now, in, in the study that, um, in the paper that we talk about, mm -hmm. it's the use of AR, which basically is about augmenting the experience of a regular presentation with the capabilities of augmented reality. Sure, sure. And so, and you draw from, this is something that I find very fascinating that you draw from three types of data visualizations, uh, exploratory, experiential and explanatory. So could you elaborate on, on each of these, what they, what they mean? Right, so this is a terminology used by Alberto Cairo, who is a data visualization expert, very well yeah. known in the community. And so in which you classify data visualization in three different types. So as you said, there is exploratory, which targets the use of data visualization to help readers find their own insights in the data. So to make an exploratory data analysis. Then we have the second type, which is experiential. Mm -hmm. This is more about experiencing the data set. And what does this mean? So for example, the New York Times built back in 2015, a data visualization of the NASDAQ, which was intended to use in virtual reality with a, a Google Cardboard, so a very, very simple device. So the idea was to experience the fluctuations over the past year in the bubble that there was in the NASDAQ. Mm -hmm. So, and uh, how did they do that? So in the experience, in this data visualization, you were sitting on a roller coaster that simulated the fluctuations of NASDAQ in a way to experience the NASDAQ. All right. So this is a very specific uh, data visualization. It, uh, I remember it won several awards. Mm -hmm. And this is a clear example that makes you experience the data set. By going on a roller coaster, you can feel the fluctuations mm -hmm. of the data, in that case of NASDAQ, how much it fluctuated. Yes. So this is the second category. And finally, there is explanatory, which is very common. And it's more about articulating the insights that you have already found on the data set. And this is, for example, the case of report. Yeah. So the data has been analyzed and you present it. So it's an, ex an explanatory data visualization. Sure, sure, thanks. Um, and so let's focus on the experiment uh, that you designed and executed in, as part of the research and, and documented in the paper. So can you tell us a little bit more about how, how what was the, like the function and what types of uh, insights were you looking for? Sure, so we worked together with a consultancy company 
that shared with us some case mm. data. Some, from these data, we worked iteratively to build a prototype through design thinking methodologies. And we always started each iteration with user mm -hmm. research, interviews and focus groups that informed the design and development of the prototype. And in each iteration, we finished by an evaluation of the prototype. And so currently we are in the third iteration, which almost leads to an alpha product, although of course it's not commercialized yet. Okay, so yeah, I, I was... I will be asking you about that, how, how the research has sort of progressed uh, since the paper, but we'll, we'll come to that a bit later. So, I mean, I'm interested in hearing the specific augmented reality design considerations with, with the experiments at the data. So were there, there must have been some specific considerations that you had to, had to put in place. Right, so um, the use basically of augmented reality on a data visualization is what this research was about. So that is why we did a whole user research process and an iterative methodology. So the consideration learned so far is that when you design for augmented reality or virtual reality, especially a data visualization, which per se is quite specific, you first need to identify the user needs mm -hmm. in the sense who's your audience and what do they need. How do they want the data to, visual, to be visualized? What are they familiar with? Yeah. So this is the first step, to know very well your audience. Second, to know the affordances or the possibilities that the technology brings to this type of audience. And this is something that the designer needs to know because we cannot ask um, the usually now average population of what do you think VR will be good for because still they don't know all the capabilities. So this is the second thing. And uh, yes, so the designer needs to match the needs with the technological possibilities and also to be very much aware of the balance that needs to be used in design for search purpose because too much technology may overwhelm and too little you're not using the capabilities of the tech. So this right amount, this specific balance is the key and this is that what needs to be adjusted during the user research and evaluation phases of the prototypes. Sure. And um, so I'm interested in how did the informants uh, find it and like what were the main main findings from that actual testing? Yeah, so in the last user session that we did, uh, initially the audience, which uh, especially when they're not familiar with XR technologies, mm. which was the case, so they are usually surprised and amazed. Now, the challenge comes to pass from this first impression of O yeah. and to be able to build something that is really useful and not that will be something that is just fun to see one time, but um, to be able to apply it in serious context and to demonstrate how this can be useful yeah. for this target audience. And this is actually what will make applications to be used in the years to come if we really target these uh, specific needs that the user groups have. Yeah, yeah, that sounds familiar if we think about, for instance, mobile AR games nowadays. Many of them seem to have this gimmick, uh, which is the initial awe, as you mentioned, with augmented reality, but very few of them 
maintain that traction and are able to retain players beyond that initial, you know, wonderment that they are able to build. So it sounds sounds similar. Um, so so you interviewed the participants, the informants uh, of the research, and and so can you summarize some of the themes that you identified based based on that set of data? Yeah, so there were several teams. Basically, the first one, and this is one of the ones we were aiming for, is accessibility of information to non-data experts. So basically, the aim to be able to communicate more clearly insights to an audience, which is something that the consultants were aiming for. So to help actually to communicate your data. This is one thing. A second topic was presence and engagement. It helps you to focus mm -hmm. and to engage with data versus if you were having just a common report in which you may look at many different points in the, in the report. Yeah. So this was a second topic. Uh, also something else we found is enhanced interaction coupled to the presentation narrative. And what do we mean with this? This is basically that when you can combine the documents because they were using reports so their reports with the numbers that consultants have combined with hololens so a hybrid version mm -hmm. so the reports are static and hololens enables to have some interactive visuals and these interactive visuals or data visualization can get updated alongside the conversation happens because for example um, in our case, which was specifically about valuation data, which is when you estimate the value range of a company, and it's a basically a discussion of assumptions. So this makes it much more easy to understand, and these can actually help negotiation processes. So this was a very strong point. Yeah, yeah. and where does, uh, did you find any specific implications from design, sort of translating some of those themes into design kind of guidelines or something like that. Yes, right. So about design, we found a very interesting to see uh, that the opportunity of presenting data in HoloLens, as I said, enabled a hybrid display of information in which the documents already used in the meeting mm -hmm are used with HoloLens. So these enabled reports. And so when you present any type of, in that case, financial data to become interactive mm. and more engaging. And this is what we call in design fluidity. And it means basically that there is a change between static and dynamic content yeah. presented. And this actually helps direct the attention of the viewer. All right. All right. Okay. So, so then uh, the paper mentions that uh, obviously, we know that with academic papers, there's always a little bit of a delay when you actually do the research and then you get it published. So some time has passed. And so the paper mentions that the research will continue. I kind of like you alluded to that earlier. So how have you managed to build on this work since since the you put the paper out? Right. So we are still iterating on the prototype. I think we could iterate. <laughs> Uh, because to find a solution that matches the needs of the consultant when presenting reports, you'd still need to, to, to get into real cases and see what actually is helpful to them. So as per it is now, the prototypes includes a software to be able to build a data visualization and adapt it to the needs of the presentation. 
And as you can imagine, building up a presentation software takes mm -hmm. quite an amount of time. And so we are iterating on these at the moment. And uh, every time we do um, an evaluation case, we are constantly learning from these and refining the product. So in some ways you are building PowerPoint for immersive <laughs> visualizer or something, something that is in a limited way, I suppose. It could be understood in that way, yes. Yeah. I would also be interested in hearing your sort of maybe gut feel that, okay, how, how likely then do you feel that, let's imagine that the, the prototype, so you are able to validate certain sort of assumptions and, and, and these principles in practice. So how likely do you see that companies like, like these kinds of consulting firms would adopt uh, solutions like this. Like I'm, I'm also wondering that there's always that friction with the technology and the headsets and stuff like that. So uh, have you had any sort of observations regarding that likelihood of, of people actually adopting this on a longer term as a, as a, like a routine tools going forward? Right. So this is a very interesting point. And uh, definitely I can say that, you know, think that in the next five years we will see much more and more these type of setups. Mm -hmm. Now this is definitely coming because this is as Mark Weiser predicted in the 90s, this is the next wave in computing yeah. which will become ubiquitous. Mm -hmm. Today still for example HoloLens uh, is still when, when you wear it you feel it. But now for example the project ARIA from Facebook is focusing precisely in what will be um, the next specifications that we need to know in order to build augmented reality, augmented reality tools that merge mm -hmm. with, with ourselves. So the thing, um, the hardware will become lighter. And this is something that uh, we already, for example, and, and real glasses mm -hmm. apparently are designed for consumer. Yeah. And yeah. this will be coming, uh, I heard, by the end of this year. Yeah. And there is also apparently coming Google Google Glasses, which will democratize this technology. Sure. So the technology will come. Now, the point is when will it be adopted? And thus it will become much more transparent because this will come definitely. Now, as you said, it needs to be, we need to be more familiar and uh, we need to be more at ease because so far what I could see is that depending in which context today, um, depending on the cultural context, on the type of users, etc., it's maybe not a suitable way to go with a headset, mm -hmm. depending on the population and the context. But that's why you need to study very well your audience to know if this is suitable today. And definitely in the future, this is coming sure. because this is ubiquitous sure. uh, computing is the next wave. Yeah, yeah I mean, we are recording this um, uh, mid-November 2020. And I, I think actually the end real glasses uh, were just... I heard, um, I read a piece that they are about to be launched in Japan. Uh, it's a South Korean company, and then they've been rolling out the development kits kits for for a while already. But that also kind of touches upon one thing that I was thinking about when listening to you, and the fact that you in the project used the Hololens as probably sort of out of necessity because it is a device that has been on out in the market for a while and already in second iteration but how much do you think that 
uh, for instance, the design considerations you were talking about are universal or how much are, could they, are they dependent on what a particular headset and it's, for instance, interaction kind of like paradigms uh, kind of like necessitate. That's a very good point because um, the design considerations are dependent on, well, they're dependent on many factors. One is, again, what, who is your user? Mm -hmm. This is what will determine uh, what type of technology do you, do you use and how do you use it. Then the technology, of course, is also a consideration. If we choose augmented reality, we need to take into account all the generalities for designing with augmented reality versus if we were choosing virtual reality. It's very different. And also, if you take one headset or another, mm -hmm. there are also design considerations which are specific to the headset. Uh, for example, something that is very, very, very key is not only about interaction, the interaction possibilities that one headset can give you versus the other, mm -hmm. but also the perceptual ones. For example, the field of view yeah. of one yeah. device may change uh, with regards to another, and that changes also the experience. Yeah. So yeah. it's everything <laughs> yeah. from the hardware to the user, which in the end is the one who's gonna who's gonna build, uh, create some meaning out of it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, uh, finally, question not related to the paper as such, but like, what do you personally find most exciting in the field of XR at the moment? So I have to say that I'm someone more focused on the human than on the technology, mm -hmm. in the sense that I see technology as a tool, as a way to serve us in ways that we are yet to see. And this is what I find interesting. So how can we use it in ways that enables us to do things differently mm -hmm. or to help us in different ways? So what I find very interesting, as I said about XR field, is the fact that com the computer is not anymore in a box. Mm -hmm. It's not anymore in a desktop, but it's around us. And this, the fact of presenting information all around us is what I find extremely interesting. So how we're going to present this, what will be also the, um, what will be kind of the right amounts, how will we leverage the information that will appear ar around us? Yeah. I do not know if you are, for example, familiar with hyperreality from Keiichi uh, Matsuda. It's oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, it's a bit of a, like a dystopian vision of uh, how all this could play out. It's a lot of information yeah. around us, but the point is that we may get there. So how to leverage uh, these technologies so that they are useful and not that they start to overload us. Yes. So I think it's, um, you know, again, the, the balance that I said is, uh, is, is the most important part in this because it's a, it, it's a great tool, in fact. Mm -hmm. If you can have information around you, that merges with your environment and that you feel that you're not using anymore a technology. Mm. Actually, the technologies that impact us the most are the ones that uh, merge with our environment. For example, now we have our mobile phones everywhere with us. Yeah. And uh, this is when uh, uh, technology actually is transformational. So for augmented reality, maybe it gets to that point and the interesting thing is that when it does not require, again, our active attention, mm -hmm. it becomes something embedded in the environment. Yeah. It disappears. And uh, yeah, so I find that to be 
a player in this field is extremely interesting. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it's when things are shaped, basically. Yes, yes, I agree. I agree. Okay, great. Thanks so much for your time, Andrea. To to end with, is there a place online where people, our listeners, can find your work or follow you? Any anything like that? Are you active on Twitter or something like that? Right, so thank you for the question. Um, basically, uh, they can follow yeah, my publications or my work at uh, 3w's at uh, andreabravo.com. That's my website. So I post there both uh, research work and more um, design and artistic yeah. work that I have. So that's basically my website. On the other side, I have Twitter, but I have not been active mm -hmm. for the past times. So... You yeah. can always add me and hopefully at some point yeah. I will become active again. Let's see. Okay, thanks so much. Thank you very much, Aki. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the episode and the content we create, please do recommend to your peers, leave us a review or share on social media and also follow our online presence. So on Twitter, the podcast can be found at Disco VR Design. My Twitter handle is Akito, so that's at A Q U I T O. And as I tend to say also in the beginning, please subscribe to my newsletter on design related things having to do with XR. So that's designsuperpowers.substack.com. So until next time. Keep on discovering virtual reality design. Bye-bye.